Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. I'm Chris Delano. And I'm Carrie Thomas. And oh boy, uh, we have a, a very exciting episode today all about uh, the New Capenna stories and uh, the history of Elspeth and, you know, organized play announcements, which is very, you know, pertinent to the Vorthos community. But you know what? More importantly than all of that, uh, we have some uh, criminal activity that has maybe been discovered when it shouldn't have. And uh, I, th- I think I speak for probably everyone um, and, and all the bystanders, um, witnesses, maybe even when, when I say uh, maybe maybe some people should uh, lay low for a little bit. And, um, you know, because crime is, uh, you know, crime, crime's not great and, and uh, people don't like crime. And so uh, sometimes when you do crimes and you just got to you got to uh, you got to peace out because, uh People are looking for you and trying to kill you, and uh, so you know what? Uh, I am y- y'all got this right. You got this episode. You you can do this. You're you're veterans. We've been doing this for nearly two hundred episodes. Uh, you yeah. Uh, I'll 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 see y'all in the in the in the future. Uh, if everything is lucky and good and everything. So uh, sh- don't tell anyone where I am. What did you do? Look, I I don't think we should talk about it until we have a lawyer present. Uh, and I'm definitely, definitely not telling anyone where Lorelai's gone to. So uh, I think uh, I think we just need to go about business, our very legitimate podcast business, and uh, do an episode. If you say so, but I'm going to need some protection money, uh, some silence money, Lorelai, because uh, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> <laughs> look, uh, look, Brian, if you want anything from Lorelai, you can go through the, the family business just as usual. Don't worry about it. But uh, anyways, uh, we uh, we do have an episode we got to record this week, uh, and uh, we got kind of a two-parter. We have a double feature, which uh, Magic has never done before. Never been a double feature in Magic history. It's never happened. This one's black and white, <laughs> and it's unreadable. So, oh, <laughs> but uh, before we before we get into our double feature, we should uh, we should do a little bit on a uh, on news. We got a lot of news today. There's a lot of a lot of newsies. Um, we uh, today is as of recording. Today is Thursday, March thirty first. Uh, so it is not April first. So there are no jokes happening. This is all very serious. Uh, today we had the the criminal history video launch, uh, featuring uh, some some guy named Jayanelli. I don't know. Haven't heard his name or seen his face in a very long time. And I'm sure we won't hear or see from him ever again not next week especially you mean this week because uh as of day of release there's another video coming on thursday for the debut of the set so uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna get two videos we just got the criminal history video which is all like lore and stuff it's uh real good world building things you should definitely watch that it's like an hour long which just like Blew my mind that they'd give us an hour of Jay talking about lore. I mean, like, that never happens. Uh, and then, um, and then, uh, this week we got the, the debut of the set, which means it's gonna, you know, high production quality, probably a bunch of jokes, uh, some, you know, previews of cards, maybe a trailer. Uh, but uh, I got a feeling Jay's Jay's also got his fingers in that one. You know, he's he's got his uh, he, he's a little, he's involved in everything around here these days. I'm excited to see the famous Anelli acting talent and see just how <laughs> convincing this man is on screen. <laughs> Jay is very, very good at talking. 
I'll just yeah. tell you that. <laughs> True story. But uh, no, I really, I really love the criminal history video. I hope, uh, I hope they keep giving us stuff like that. Just like a little world building video, no card previews, a bunch of art, a bunch of stuff about the world. It's great. Absolutely worth an hour of your time. If you're listening to this for an hour, you can go watch the hour long criminal history video. Okay. Um, After listening to this, just, just so we're clear here. And yes, there were three cards previewed in that video. We did get the three, uh, I guess, like family heads for the brokers, the cabaretti, and the maestros, who we've had uh, some some preview cards of their charms over the course of the, the, the last week of story. Uh, some real cool cards, real interesting mechanics going on there. We got a new keyword mechanic in connive, which is uh, it's a it seems to be a creature mechanic. It's connive x where I guess you draw X cards and discard X cards, and for each non-land card you discard this way, you uh, put a plus one, plus one counter on the creature. So that's uh, that's neat. Don't know how that's going to work. We only have seen it on one card so far. Um, but Team Catberetti. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> yeah, the, the Cabaretti, Don, whatever you want to call him, Godfather, Grandfather. Uh, he's real cool. Big cat guy. And he's uh, he's got awesome. some go-wide abilities. But can we talk about Xander? If you sit down across from me and you reveal that your commander is Xander, I'm going to unsleeve every single card in my deck and start eating them in front of you. That's how upset I am. Why are people upset <laughs> about this card? Like, genuinely. You just have to kill him before he comes down. That, that that's, 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 that's all that <laughs> there is to it. Like, yeah, it's- they're in Grixis. They're not playing a. They're not playing great ramp. So just kill them before they get a chance to do anything. The real scary thing is when people are cheating him into play outside of the command zone. That's the big thing. But just make sure you're running a lot of exile. That, that's that's what I suggest. This man costs seven mana. Yes, but we have to call for it to be banned before the set's even released. This man costs seven mana, and also, so if you're unfamiliar with this card, which this preview has been out for like several days now, so like just. Go look it up. It's probably on Scryfall. Uh, Xander the Collector has an ability where he enters battlefield. Each opponent or target opponent, it's not even each. It's one person. You pick one person and they discard half the cards in their hand rounded down. This man costs seven mana. If someone is casting a seven mana spell and you have a bunch of cards in hand, you're already winning the game. Like it doesn't matter that you're discarding half of them. Yeah. And then like when he attacks you, like mill half your library rounded down, whatever, uh, and then, like, when he dies, target opponent sacrifices half of the non-landed permanents they control, rounded down. It's always rounded down. This is not that good. I mean, like, he's cool. Very pretty art. Amazing art, honestly. But that's true for every card we've seen so far. Like, the the dies effect is probably the scary part for me, but just exile him. Just, just... Just exile them or counterspell or just whatever. It's fine. I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on these previews. They're very cool. Uh, the whole set is coming together really well. Uh, as of day of release at eight a.m. or whatever on Monday morning, April the what fourth? Uh, I don't know how time works. Um, as of as of release Monday morning, uh, you will have seen all of the three stories that we're going to talk about today, and a new story will be coming out today because. The story is uh, took a little break. It went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of last week, took several days off, and is doing uh, Monday and Tuesday of this week to wrap it up before we have preview starting on Thursday, as well as the uh, debut video. So, double feature today. First thing we're going to do is we're going to cover the story of Elspeth. So, uh, I will be the first one to say that my knowledge of magic lore when it comes to, like, particulars doesn't really, like, cement 
until around, honestly, like around Return to Ravnica, um, moving a little bit further <laughs> past that. So like, I know Elspeth from Theros on, but like, who was Elspeth before Theros? Well, Elspeth was a nobody on a backwater plane controlled by Phyrexians and uh she died no (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) so uh yeah she grew up on a plane that was plagued by phyrexians not exactly sure what the nature of the relationship was outside of we know that she was kept in a phyrexian controlled dungeon and that they were killing people (laughs) as phyrexians do uh and she her planeswalker spike ignited under the duress of those conditions. Um, from the lore video today, we have, or the criminal history video today featuring Jay and Ellie, um, Capenna was invaded by old Phyrexian centuries ago, and those who couldn't escape to new Capenna were either killed or captured in the pockets of Phyrexian holdouts that remained until recently. So we can safely assume that she's not from new Capenna, she is from an area outside of New Capenna. And as hinted at in the story today, that is a pretty barren, unnatural, desolate wasteland of ruins. So uh, her first planeswalk was to Theros, where she met an equally young Daxos and stole the Sword of Chaos as it fell from Nyx, now known as the Godsend. Um, the battle that was happening in Nyx during that time was Perforos being fed up with Nyx itself existing and the gods in general. Um, He forged the Sword of Chaos to essentially lay low the entirety of Nyx. It fell during the battle. Uh, Perforos was kind of carried away by Heliod and Krufix, who ended up stopping him. But when the sword fell from Nyx, Elspeth picked it up and said, Sweet, and then left. (laughs) 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 <laughs> which is which is the appropriate thing to do when a sword falls from the sky and you catch it. Yeah. Uh, and Don't ask questions, just take it and run. Like Yeah, take it and run. This has no implications for later stories. Um, so in her continual journey to find a place to call home, she is um she was intended to be kind of the modern day Sarah looking for a peaceful plane that would not fall to ruin. And she found that in Bant, um, Bant on the Plain of Alara, but not quite the Plain of Alara just yet. She went to Bant and became a knight there, um, and everything seemed to be going fairly well. It was run by angels who were generally out of sight, out of mind, but ruled over the area. Um, and Bant is where she kind of encountered the start of the troubles because Ajani planes walked into Bant. Um, she and the other people in her entourage ended up being able to heal him but Ajani knew what was coming for the shards of Alara and had already been to both Jund and his home plane of Naya and essentially warned her that the conflux was coming and the conflux did come and the driving force to get her to flee Bant was all of these demons of Grixis led by Malfagor and all the hordes of undead Trampling through because they were kind of on this journey for Bolas to get to um, to draw up kind of chaos across the different worlds. And um, that was enough for her to leave because she didn't really want to fight and stay. She didn't have anybody there to really fight for since in the webcomic, um, her closest ally and friend 
essentially died during that battle, and she was only able to resurrect him, not very inconspicuously. So she ended up departing Bant and leaving her knightish ways behind her. Um, from there, she ended up on Otaria on Dominaria, where she fought in a pit against none other than Koth of the Hammer. Yeah, she, had a she did notice his Phyrexian tattoo and got pretty pissed at him because, like, imagine there's a symbol that could be qualified as, like, a hate symbol, and it's, like, really bad, and the person has it tattooed on them. You're not going to assume, hey, that person's in opposition to these people. <laughs> but that is what Koth was doing. Koth had the symbol on his arm, intending to be a reminder of um, his pledge to rid his home plane of Nuphorexia. But she didn't know that at the time. She goes to essentially attack him in way excessive force than was necessary in an arena environment. And Ajani breaks up the fight. Um Ajani tries to talk her down and is also returning her gear, which she recovered from Bant. Um, and He's always finding her gear and bringing it back to her. Yes, and Elspeth is just in such a hopeless mood, and one of the direct lines from the webcomic is, Ajani was wrong, no one deserves anything. And that is a direct thought from Elspeth. <laughs> she is convinced that there is pretty much no good left in the world, and that she will just be kind of doomed to never finding a home and you wonder why this mono white planeswalker was replaced with gideon at a certain point (laughs) (laughs) she said nobody's worth saving i can't find anywhere peaceful i'm just gonna fight in an arena hashtag mood (laughs) yeah afterwards or after that fight um she does encounter koth who explains his home planes um being plagued by phyrexia and essentially recruits her to his cause um, from there, they go to Dominaria uh, in Urborg and commune with Windgrace's spirit, which is unconfirmed, but for the most part is like the thing that points them in the direction of Venser. And they finally meet Venser. The next series of events goes by so quick, you do not have to read any novels associated with it. But Venser, Koth, and Elspeth go to Mirrodin, find Karn. That's all that happens. Do they, do they maybe go on a quest for Karn? They do... Um, not by that name. Do not Google that name. <laughs> wow. So, Venser ends up sacrificing himself to restore Karn. During this time, they also interact with Tezzeret, who is playing both sides of the Mirren Phyrexian War. Um, but Tezzeret playing both sides? Never. That yes, never unprecedented. happens. And, yeah, they defeat, they, what Venser ends up doing is sacrificing his spark and his immunity that was granted by Malira to restore Karn to his full abilities. Elspeth, Karn, and Koth try to, um, they vow to defeat the Phyrexians, but they quickly realize the futility of their situation where it's three planeswalkers and a whole bunch of Mirans against a never-ending, ever-growing horde of Phyrexian forces. And so Karn departs from Mirrodin, looking for both strategy and allegiances that he can bring to the side. Um, Elspeth is forced off the plane for the most part. Koth realizes that the hope for the Mirren Resistant is very slim and essentially forces her into an ultimatum where she can either stay here and die fighting for the Mirren cause or she can go and live and tell everybody to never return to Nufarexia and to like essentially isolate the plane. So she does leave and that's where the story picks up at Theros where Chris kind of hopped in but there she becomes the sun's champion under Heliod. 
Um, she reunites and falls in love with Daxos. She works alongside Ajani to bring down Xenagos, per her duty instilled by Heliod, and then is killed as a reward. Yeah, uh, you leave out the fact that like during this story, uh, Elspeth is like sleeping in a tent with Daxos, you know, as you yeah. do. Well, you know. she she, um. she sleeps in a tent with Daxos and then gets nightmares brought onto her by Xenagos and ends up stabbing Daxos. And that is how Daxos dies. <laughs> specifically, so, specifically, she has a nightmare that she's fighting a Phyrexian negator. And yes. that is like one of the important things is like she kills Daxos thinking he's a Phyrexian. So like yes. she has a lot of lot of trauma associated with the Phyrexians, like a lot. She needs to go to therapy. Um but instead of going to therapy therapy, she goes to the underworld um, Uh, nearly as good and in these notes it says somehow Elspeth returned dot 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 you know like Palpatine (laughs) 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 yes uh, in the infamous void of story that was Theros Beyond Death we got a story summary in lieu of the novella that was originally written Um, she eventually escapes from the underworld of Theros um, being rewarded by Erebos for defeating Heliod, but also getting on the bad side of Clothus, who is the god of fate. She creates a planeswalker agent of fate named Calyx, who is sent after her, and that is where we pretty immediately pick up with episode one, except they just kind of do it from Elspeth's point of death in the original Theros block. So <laughs> I yeah. desperately want the dialogue that happened between Erebos and Heliod once Heliod was trapped. Like I I, I live for that dialogue. You know, I, I have it on good authority that at least one person who sometimes is on this podcast occasionally probably could get access to that dialogue if you really wanted it. Um but you know who knows? Uh, yeah, my my main thought here is, uh, you know, we, you mentioned Calix, who I would like to refer to as Sir not appearing in this story. <laughs> <laughs> we are we are three episodes into the the new Capenna story, and I'm sorry for these spoilers, but uh, Calix has not shown up, but he has gotten one reference. So the Theros Beyond Death story did happen. That's one thing we know, kinda. Um, but that is that is the first part of our, our double feature. That is the story of Elspeth, which she carries like a lot of like story weight in in uh, magic lore. Like people think about Elspeth a lot. She's like, you know, iconic character. She's not really done a whole lot <laughs> in the story. I mean, she's been dead for a really long time. But like even beyond that, like she just she hasn't really been there. She's done more than cough. That that is true. <laughs> um, I'm really hoping we get cough very soon. It will honestly okay. I'm just just as an aside. If the next time we see cough is when we return to New Phyrexia, I am going to be very upset. Like I, I'm already mad that he's not on this in this set. Like that, that, is that's he confirmed to not be in this set? Well, uh, yeah, that hasn't been confirmed yet. In, but the fact that we've we, we've seen Vivian Tezzeret and Obnixilis and Elspeth makes me think that in the story for the set makes me think that they're probably the planeswalkers in the set and we're probably not getting caught. I I hope we don't get Tezzera and do get Koth because I think I don't know. I just Well, looking back at it though, maybe Koth could be the red planeswalker for the set. If they're if they if we get five planeswalkers for the set 
and there's one per color. Maybe Cough could be the Red Planeswalker who shows up in the last part of the story. Who knows? I, I think the number crunch is leaning towards there being three or four. Uh, I don't think Tezzeret's going to be in the set because he was in Neon Dynasty. So it'd be really weird to give him back to back, especially since he kind of just shows up and leaves. Um, but we'll talk about that. I, oh, no, 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 no. I just found the piece that falls into place and I won't swear on this podcast, but now I understand what is said in the third story. <sighs> okay, I'll I'll bring it up when we get to the final thoughts, but no, it he I I don't think Koth is going to be I think I know what you're we'll talk about it. Um let's just go ahead and start with talking about episode 1 Homecoming. Uh these stories are written by Elise Kova, uh who is doing an incredible job writing like I said this when the first story released, but the very first story does so much work in like giving us plot and world building without it feeling like awkward or weird. Like there's no like, let me tell you about Capena. You just sort of like, she does such a great job of like giving us like little details about the world and it makes it feel very like fleshed out without like giving us a world guide in the first story. Um, so anyways, uh, episode one homecoming by Elise Kova uh, the story, as Carrie mentioned, picks up at the end of the original Theros block for some reason. We get a little aside. Uh, basically, it shows us Heliod killing Elspeth, uh, Ajani like struggling to like get her back to the mortal plane. Um, she dies. It's very sad. It's actually like really well written. I don't want to make jokes about like putting the end of Godsend into uh, New Capenna. But it's uh, it's from Elspeth's point of view, and you really kind of feel for her um, as she's dying. Uh, and then we cut directly to New Capenna. We are in Xander, who we learn is Xander. I don't know if they like say his name immediately, um, but we cut to his office, and he is the the head of the Maestro family. Uh, he is admiring New Capenna, which is this beautiful, huge city built to protect people from what we now know from the criminal history video, the long forgotten evil of these Phyrexians. That he calls um, them the sacrifice. Yeah. There was like a great sacrifice. Um, a lot has been done. Uh, but now like the five families are, they, a lot of people have kind of forgotten what happened all those centuries ago. Um, Xander says he was there, but he doesn't remember it very clearly. Uh, and these five families who are charged with protecting the city or, you know, managing it are now kind of like at each other's throats. And that's because of this person who Xander refers to as the adversary, who is sort of exasperating issues with access to Halo. We don't know much about Halo yet in the first story, but we know that it is like a very important, powerful thing. Um, Jet, and, and after we see all that, uh, we cut to Jetmir, who is the grandfather of the Cabaretti. He's this big cat demon, kind of like Xander is a vampire demon. Um, and, uh, he is talking about the crescendo with his like right hand person, uh, Jenny, who is like, I think another cat person, um, or is Jenny a cat person? I don't know, but he's talking with her and they're talking about this crescendo, which is this huge party they throw every year. And Jetmir has invited all of the families, but he hasn't invited this adversary person. Um, he also mentions that they have this thing that they're revealing at the crescendo called the font which is supposed to be sort of the answer to the halo problem of not having enough halo. Uh, don't know what the font is yet, but it's big and it's powerful. Um, we also know, we also get introduced to Jetmir's right-hand person. Uh, Xander introduces us to his right-hand man who is in Hello. Uh, Jetmir introduces us to his right-hand lady, Ginny, 
who is also sort of taking care of this mysterious girl named Giada. And Giada is, she doesn't seem to want to be there. And they make like a big show, like the the writer mentions that she like has everything given to her that she could possibly want, but she can't leave, uh, which makes me think something's going on there. Um, Probably related to the font, but we'll find out. Uh, And then we cut once again to Vivian Reed. What the hell? That was like the biggest thing that made people go, what? In the story, Vivian Reed is on New Capenna and she's sort of like, she mentions that she's searching for a, a world that feels like it's connected to the natural world, uh, but still has, you know, civilization. She's trying to find like this good mix of civilization and wild nature. And she comes to New Capenna and is pretty much immediately put off of it. It's way too synthetic. <laughs> um, there's no like life like nature here all of the natural stuff is like in cages or like behind walls uh and then she can tell that the rest of the world outside of the city is just barren um she kind of hates it and it seems like she's not going to stick around long uh but then she like finds herself listening to a speech by zayatora who is the leader of the riveteers which is another one of the families uh and is like a labor organizer and is one of my favorite characters and i can't wait to get more of zayatora She's like listening to the speech and then uh, some random dude walks up to her and is like, you're not from around here. And she's like, what do you mean? He's like, you're a planeswalker. And she's like, holy shit, that means you're a planeswalker. Uh, and then she's talking to him and then like, he's like, hey, follow me. I'm going to you know introduce you to some people. Uh, and she's like, okay. And Vivian can take care of herself. So she's not really worried about this like creepy guy. And she like follows him. She's like, he's like, you know, what's your name? And she's like, Vivian, what's yours? And he goes, Tezzeret. <laughs> And, and uh, Tezzeret's on this plane uh, and she remembers him from the war because she fought on the war and she knows that she fought on the other side of Tezzeret, <laughs> um, you know, uh, and she knows that he was using the planar bridge. She doesn't quite know yet that he is the planar bridge, but she discovers that by the end of the story. Uh, and Tezzeret uh, invites her to uh, come meet with uh, people who are on the side of freedom on New Capenna uh, and specifically Urabrask. Yeah, he's here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's the reveal. The big reveal of episode one is that Urabrask, the Phyrexian Praetor, is on New Capenna and is apparently on the side of freedom. Last last scene giving uh, refuge to Cough of the Hammer. Hashtag Cough So, uh, yeah, we've got the Red Praetor on uh, New Capenna. He seems to be up to something. Tezra is helping him, question mark. Uh and then uh, we end the episode with Elspeth arriving by train at New Capenna uh, on a Johnny's suggestion. And that's episode one. Yeah, Urbrask is here. Uh, yeah, the, the only real thing to note is, yes, people thought he died to Elish Norn. No, he didn't. Um, that was never how it was written. <laughs> uh, I think it was the Lost Confession was the letter that Elspeth had wrote to a Johnny on her arrival, on her rearrival on Theros, um, at the beginning of the Theros block, and had described essentially that Elish Norn had taken over um, some of the dominions, but people exaggerated that into Urabrask being dead, and in, in addition to, I'm assuming, Atraxa being a four color, excluding red. But for the most part, like, yeah, he, he was never confirmed to be dead, at most defeated. 
but we kind of pick up on his side of the story. Yeah, we get we get Urabrask a lot in one of the side stories, which we'll talk about in length when we talk about the side stories, but also we'll probably have to mention it later this episode because it is sort of, uh, it's written by the same author, Elise Kova, and it also is kind of like an episode 2.5, uh, 3.1, depending on how you want to read it. But uh, yeah, who wants to talk about episode two? So Elsbeth uh, is taking small jobs. She's basically working in a laundromat at the time of the start of the story. Uh, just trying to get by, try to get a feel for the plane because she thinks it's her home, according to John, uh, Johnny. And, you know, just trying to make things, make ends meet. And it's a little bit different than what she's used to in Bant and uh, Theros. On Theros, I think she was like part of a soldier unit or was stationed outside yeah. um, as like a guard or something. So a little less honorable. Yeah. <laughs> but now, now she's working small jobs, just just trying to get by. And um, we, we have a flashback to her discussing with Ajani, like what it is to be at home like she's i think she's gotten this trap where she thinks at home is a specific place where all of her stuff is and a, a, a johnny is trying to impart upon her and make her feel that you know home is wherever you make it and you know and he's convincing her that you know you need to go out and find yourself so that you know where home is basically um and he hopes for the best that she kind of shrugs him off um, so we, we cut back to her being at the cleaners and some, uh, where a bunch of maestros come in or hassling the, the shop proprietor who had thoroughly dressed her down for being on time, which was technically late because I, apparently this guy or this, uh, was it a guy or was it a gal? It was a guy. It, it was a guy. He's just some, he's just some dude. Yeah. Elspeth doesn't even know his name. Yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Where after thoroughly being dressed down for being exactly on time, which is technically five minutes late, according to this person, uh, she gets to work and then the maestros come in and are hassling and destroying this guy's proper, this, this, the shop entirely. You know, Elspeth's never been one to like accept bullying of any level, even if this person kind of treated her unfairly to begin with. Um, so she kind of draws out the maestros and leads them on a chase throughout the city, like running through people and dashing through alleys. So she gets to a place where like she gets to a dead end, you know, like in all the movies where people, you know, they're, they're running through the streets and they get to a dead end and they have to turn and fight and make their final stand. But, uh, she thoroughly whoops these guys with a piece of rebar. It's... It's beautifully described, and um, like she just one hits everybody with with this this basically iron pipe, hit them in the head, knocks them out. Um, and then after the fight, another maestro shows up and congratulates her on not only surviving but thriving, and he offers her a job and access to information. And Elspeth, who's here to find out about. The Phyrexians, uh, who are who were seemingly defeated on this plane, um, is very intrigued, especially because their conversation takes place near a fountain where uh, angels are basically defeating some Phyrexians. Um, so we we get a flashback of a Johnny sending her there to gather that information, 
um, and where he tells her that New Capenna is allegedly her home, which is seeming more and more that it might not be, but we'll we'll see. Um, but the end of the episode kind of phases back to the adversary, quote unquote, who is actually Opnixilis, who is planning to take over the plane. Yeah, we uh, we get like a shot of like the story is like it's only like a few lines of like the epilogue where like someone's like, and that's what the font is. And Obnix was like, that's all. Ha ha ha. We're going to take over this plane. But it doesn't say it's Obnixilis, but it shows art of Obnixilis. So like we just kind of assume at this point that that's Obnixilis. Um, we get confirmation of it in that story that's like 2.5 or whatever you want to call it. Um, I thought episode two was very good, if only because Elspeth is very true to her character. Um, she sees someone who's in danger. She stands up for him. She saves him uh, and runs away. Yeah. And, and like, it's even better because like we get the internal monologue where one of the uh, maestros was like, if you had just taken your beating, we wouldn't have had to chase you. And she gets this pang of guilt to just like, well, if I just taken the beating, could I have possibly spared some of the people who might have gotten hurt in the chase? Like she's very, very, she's a, a morally ethical and high like high ethics character and it's it shines through even under duress and it's really interesting to see yeah it's also like uh it's cool because the maestros um we kind of see that we've seen like all of the sides of the maestros now right we saw xander in the first episode who's this like obsessed with art and fashion and he's like he does my like favorite moment where he's like telling and hello who's like you know they're meeting with them he's like making him an outfit while he's talking to him and like dressing him up um xander is by far like my favorite uh character on this plane who's like native to the plane um so far i guess elspeth is native to the plane too but you know what i mean i love allegedly Uh, (laughs) allegedly Allegedly. (laughs) well so like they kind of confirm that this is elspeth's home plane in the video today the criminal history one so like the thing is the story is kind of leaving it open you know because like it's trying to like build up that tension but they they confirmed it in the video today it is elspeth's home Elspeth isn't sure about that though. Um, but anyways, uh, I love Xander. And then we get to see these like maestro goons who are like showing up and demanding protection money from this laundry facility, which is just like very true to history. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, we get to see in hello who just like shows up and is like, yeah, I don't care that you just beat up these people. I want you, you're going to join my, you know, he like basically presses her into the the family. Um, so yeah, good story. Definitely worth it just for the action scenes. They're really, really cool. I think it was mentioned on our Discord, but somebody had said that Elspeth just being able to, like, wipe the floor with these dudes for the most part. Like, she is a trained knight, and she has gone through (laughs) a good deal of shit, both with Phyrexians and gods. Like, she can handle a uh, a couple of thugs on New Capenna pretty, pretty easily. And yeah, I I like that she didn't really have to exert that much effort. It was like the moment she stopped and got like a weapon in her hands. It was like, oh yeah, no, Elspeth has killed a god. Like this is not going to be a problem for her at all. But uh, that then brings us to episode three, which is the last episode we get of this previous week. And we'll be getting a new episode today as of the day of this release. Uh, so everyone should have had time to read this one. And this is episode three, Tests. So... In episode three, we start off with Elspeth working for the museum, cataloging questionably acquired art. 
Um, you put stolen in the agenda. You said I did stolen. Put, I did put stolen. Allegedly. Definitely stolen. But like, can you really claim it's stolen if like another family probably stole it from the maestros in the first place? Like, again, they're in their own self. Um, it's a self-sustaining mm-hmm. economy, you know? But <laughs> Xander, walks, <laughs> Xander walks in to the room, essentially dismisses, dismisses his advisors next to him and goes on a little walk with Elspeth. And he's curious about her because she's just kind of here to be here and doesn't really have any deeper aspirations or doesn't have any apparent deeper aspirations um, within the maestros. But he offers her better jobs that she can do within the organization, um, putting her on a path to become a permanent member of the maestro or the maestros. And in exchange, she will give her some information about the history of New Capenna, which is what she is really here for at this point. She successfully completes a very small package delivery, um, returns to Xander's office, and he rewards her with some history of New Capenna, which is that there was an evil, it is long forgotten, the angels fought it, and the angels couldn't fight it alone, so the demons joined in in fighting it. But when the demons decided to leave New Capenna to fight this threat, they put in their stead these five family members, essentially essentially the guild masters or the progenitors, um, however you see fit, for the actual families themselves that would run everything smoothly on the world. Um, and in part of that deal, they did become demons because they were demon deals. So, um, yeah, and so the five families were entrusted with the city. The next job that she is to go on is to supervise an informant who's just moving between locations. Um, She very stealthily completes this. Um, The only hiccup is that she does kind of um, encounter some raccoon folk (laughs) who try to shank her in a back alley. Um, But she gets away from them because, again, she's Elspeth and she is a warrior above anything else. (laughs) So... When she returns to Xander, he tells her more about Halo and that it was the last gift that the angels had given before they left to fight this um, evil that was uh, threatening their world. And the final job of the story, the final job in this series, was to drop off Halo in a park. And it's not a drug deal. You just have to put it in a brown paper bag. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like... This is, it's a dead drop. It's like a very classic thing that you do. It could have been a, you know, I mean, like, people make the association with drugs, but it could have been, like, a wad of cash, a handgun, you know, back in, like, the old mob days. Someone drops off a gun with the serial number filed off or something, you know. Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Not saying that anyone on this podcast has ever done anything illegal. We are a legitimate podcast. Anyways. She goes to this drop-off site. And finds none other than Vivian Reed, who kind of encounters her, um, talks to her about being a planeswalker, because it's it's pretty obvious. Um, she uh, Vivian is trying to, this is where story 2.5 kind of intersects with story 3, but Vivian is trying to um, take her back to somebody um, that she is convinced that she needs to meet and talk to, and... But Elspeth is 
again, on this journey of trying to get more information from Maestros and from Xander, who has collected all this history. And so she won't risk that. So she continues on with her work. And Vivian says that um, she'll return to her when she has something of value. And they both peace off. Back at Xander's office, um, Xander tells Elspeth about the adversary and how he is strangling the halo trade within Nukapena. And her level up job is now to infiltrate the cabaretti. But in exchange, she argues that she should have access to essentially his full archives because she has gotten the message that this guy remembers next to nothing and is trying to piece together things himself. So maybe with like her off-plane knowledge, she can possibly put the pieces together much faster and much, much more efficiently than he is kind of drip-feeding them. And Xander agrees to that. Um, but she needs an outfit change. And so <laughs> in new clothes, Elspeth arrives at the cabaret. And in the notes I put, GET IT in all caps because it's a cabaret. And the cabaretti, do you understand that they throw parties? But yeah, she tries to <laughs> she tries to find work with the cabaretti, um, gets kind of pushed off by the bartender because you don't really ask bartenders for jobs. Like I don't, I don't Elspeth know what is she so was thinking, bad at but this. <laughs> she's yeah, so she's, bad at this. She's fine at being conspicuous and clueless and a nobody because she is genuinely all of these things. But when it comes to getting information, she kind of like lucked into it with the maestros and now again has to luck into it with the cabaretti. But she does. Um, she meets Kit Kanto, who is at the cabaret there. And Kit is kind of charmed by her name because she says that Elspeth isn't a name that she has seen outside of a gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Kit Kanto introduces her to Ginny who is uh, the cabaretti leader's right-hand person. And they all seemed amused with her old world, or old world name. Um, but for the most part, Ginny seems open to working with her and says that she might be able to get in with the ca uh, cabaretti just in time for the crescendo party. And so that is where we leave off on story three. And if you want stories four and five, this is coming out on Monday, so just keep reading. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, by... Uh... By tomorrow, as of day of release, all of the stories will be out and we'll know everything going on. Um, yeah, there's a lot in episode three of people mentioning that Elspeth's name is like an old person name, uh, which led to some interesting fan theories that I think have been. She's an angel. <laughs> so, yeah, I think she's an angel was the longest standing one. And it would be very strange, but not impossible, I guess. Like, yeah, again. Wait, Again, you all discussed the the natures of angels and demons in the multiverse and how um, I put in the outline, like, it's going to happen eventually, but it's the angel planeswalker that is. But for the most part, like, that would be a very, very elaborate way of working it. Yeah. So, so Brian, a lot of, there were a lot of people really confused by the timing of things. So Elspeth is not that old. I mean, she's like in her 30s, I think, is like probably where she's at um and so people were very confused because like she was tortured by plane or by phyrexians on what is assumedly this plane and then she left and then when she comes back to the plane all the phyrexians are gone and no one can remember them 
And so everyone was very confused, like, how long is she gone? And so some people came up with a bunch of different ideas. Of course, some people were like, you know, time travel, which is no, um, no more time travel plots were done. Uh, and then some people suggested, like, what if she's actually like this immortal ancient archangel who just happened to like the what happened to her with the Phyrexians made her forget how old she was and like history. And so like she just thinks she's younger. But really, that was a long time ago, um, which is like. A stretch. She could yeah, have like, been. I, she could have been an old I walker. I could buy it. Like, because yeah, old walkers were notorious for if you could like scramble their brains, you could keep them in place for a long period of time. Literally scramble their brains. Like Yogmoth puts in a, like a, a hand mixer into to Difed's brains and just turns it on. But also, like Urza got stuck in a tree. Yeah, and, and there were also ter- times where like like Phyrexians would they would then. Phyrexians after Urza with like abilities that would f- make him freeze or whatnot, whatnot. So, um, or Nicol Bolas, his one of his attacks was like was to be able to make it to where planeswalkers couldn't think. So that's how he defeated them. So, like it, it, I could see if there was a point where torture kept her from being able to escape and held her in suspend. Like if they were tormenting her to the point where she couldn't planeswalk, and then maybe it led up just enough to where her spark ignited and she was able to get away in that minute, but. Uh, we'll, we'll see. It's just yeah. here's here's the bit of interesting trivia is that Elspeth was originally concepted as an old walker. Um, there is proof of this. Unfortunately, it is archived on the Wizards forums, which is <laughs> piecemeal at best. Um, but she was originally concepted as an old walker, and then I believe I've mentioned this on the show before. Tezzeret was supposed to be artificially enervated by Bolas, and that like caused him to age much faster than he would have, which is why he has gray hair. Um, doesn't explain the dreads, but you know what can at this point with Tezzeret. So I will on that on that note. Quick aside: in the side story three, his hair is described as braids, so it is braided. It's not braided. dreads. Okay. Well, there's been some art discrepancies in the past. And- oh, absolutely. <laughs> but but in that universe, Venser's age didn't matter that much because Elspeth was concepted as an old walker and was supposedly sticking over from pre-mending days and had eventually ended up on Bant, still doing her thing. But the storylines kind of got mixed up for the most part and... Alara Unbroken was written with the understanding that it had been 60 years since the mending, and Quest for Karn was apparently concepted with the idea that it was much, much closer to the mending than was originally planned, which is why Elspeth is there, Tezzeret is there, and Venser is there. And that essentially resolved the Venser discrepancy is that it wasn't that long, but then they made it that long, so it got real weird real quick. And uh, yeah. There's your trivia for the day is that Elspeth was originally concepted to be an old walker and then pretty immediately walked back as soon as they stepped on their own continuity toes. But for the most part, like, I I don't see them reversing that decision now for any kind of elaborate backstory. I just see a very, very confused and memory, um, memory hold plane for the most part. Nobody knows how it got to this state. I wonder if Tezzeret does at this point. Jay kind of shoots this all down in the uh, criminal history video where he 
very clearly states that uh, Elspeth was being kept in a dungeon by like some of the last remnants of the Phyrexians on the plane. And then like once she pieced out, they got they got caught. So like there's no more Phyrexians. So like the whatever was going on outside of New Capenna has been going on for a long time, but now it's like done. And she was like at the very tail end of that. So she's not a, a, a very old, old walker. Uh, it just so happens that like the people in New Capenna have been there for a very long time and Elspeth's family or wherever she came from never got there. So like she's been living in, you know, or she grew up in like an outskirts town far away from the city where things never got better and they were constantly under Phyrexian assault for hundreds of years. While the people in New Capenna have been there living it up for a long time without any problems. Um, so yeah, Jay, Jay clarified all that. Elspeth's not an angel. She's not an old walker. They're not going to walk that back. Um, but there, it was really confusing for like a hot second. Everyone yes. was like a little bit like, what's going on here? Uh, so we did get clarity, which is good. Which is fun to have some speculation, <laughs> some moment of speculation, even though kind of got quickly squashed. Um, but yeah, my, my theory, since we don't have any Watsy contractors on the show, is that the valuable thing that Vivian is going to come back with is Koth, either in episode four or episode five, and Koth will be like, hey, Urabrask is helping the resistance. You need to help Urabrask get access to Halo, and she's also going to have pretty easy access once she's in with the Cabretti, or the Cabaretti. So, um, yeah, I'm interested if... I want Koth here. I will shoehorn Koth into any way I possibly can because it's, I mean, it has been a decade. <laughs> uh, yeah, he would look so good in like the Riveteer outfits too. Like he would just, he would look so good on this plane. Um, I think that, uh, so quick aside, we're not going to cover all the plot details. Episode three side story uh, tells the story of Vivian working with Urabrask, right? Um, he is interested in this plane for some reason, mostly linked to Halo and the defeat of the old Phyrexians, uh, he is badly hurt, so he can't really do anything. And Vivian's like basically acting like as his like, you know, point person for the whole plane. Uh, and that's why we get to see the scene between Vivian and Elspeth from Vivian's point of view in the side story, which is like a really cool thing to get. Um, but like, there's a lot going on in that side story that sort of sets up this like overarching plot that's happening in Magic right now. And Elspeth's story seems to be more intertwined with the story of New Capenna, which is all sort of heading towards this like cabaret, excuse me, cabaretty, what is it called? <laughs> it's the, 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 the crescendo, the, the crescendo. Yeah. It's all heading towards the crescendo and that's going to probably be like episode five. Um, and everything's going to go down there and Obnixilis is going to be involved and he might be Phyrexianized. Who knows? Um, but it's uh it's a lot and it's a really cool episode or really cool story so far. We're only three in. We're not doing that thing where we're recording after all of the stories have come out, so we literally don't know what's gonna happen. The only people who know are not on this episode. Uh one of them is, you know, a coward and refuses to be on story episodes, and the other <laughs> one is uh fleeing in the country. Yeah, don't ask any questions. I won't answer any questions unless I have a lawyer present. So uh don't worry about what, it. What do we think if Ob is Phyrexian? Uh, A-plus choice of who to Phyrexianize. Just a perfect, perfect Phyrexian option. Like, he's just, he's great. Yep. Do it. I'd rather him get Phyrexianized than any of the other Planeswalkers that we know about on the store, basically. So Yeah, he's uh, 
he's like he deserves he'd be it. perfect. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is I think it would also just kind of be a fun full circle moment for like one of the earliest Phyrexian cards for the most part or the ones that played into Yogmoth specifically was Yogmoth Demon and back in the day there was kind of confusion over people claiming that Yogmoth Demon was actually like a depiction of Yogmoth and that that ended up not being the case for a variety of reasons but knowing that Gix was also a demon of Phyrexia like having a demon Phyrexian planeswalker is extremely fitting and I kind of hope that they do it just for that reason because he he embodies everything about about uh you know Phyrexia's history with having meddling demons on other planes um doing their own thing possibly in service to Phyrexia but if he is on their side then it makes me a little bit concerned that he laughs off the halo font being um a potential tool <laughs> against phyrexians we'll see exactly how it plays out all i have to say about ob if he's phyrexianized is i really hope the way they do it is by sticking his face into four inches of glistening oil oh my god his head in it. <laughs> wow <laughs> what a reference yes please I think, I think we need to be at the end of the episode though so like do we want to do some some quick final thoughts you can go first oh, don't put the stress on me to go first um my uh you know actually i i do have a final thought here uh you know going to the doctor is a really good idea uh turns out uh, i had low potassium no idea didn't know that don't know how i ended up having low potassium took some potassium supplements feeling great lately just go to a doctor it's good for you that's my uh if you you can because you know the healthcare system in the united states is garbage don't want to talk about it if you get a chance go to a doctor find out what might be ailing you it's a good idea. That's my uh, that's my final thought. Take care of yourself. Um, my final thought is I love my dog. Calvin's great. He's the best. How old is Calvin? Um, he is like somewhere around nine to ten years old. Ooh. Uh, yeah. He's just a puppy. Yeah. Well. Just a puppy. <laughs> They're always just a puppy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. He's a he's a rescue. Um, so I don't know his exact age, but yeah, they estimate he's like, I got him when he was around one and a half to two years old. Um, and I've had him for eight years. So. Yeah. I was also a rescue and gave us a time range of approximately one years old. She acts and weighs like she's one. <laughs> so, uh, we celebrate her birthday on the anniversary of her adoption. Um, my final thought is, uh, I don't know. Maybe I just do a joke one. The Pro Tour is back. <laughs> oh my god, we didn't even talk about the OP changes. Yeah. <laughs> this is a Vorkthos oh, podcast. Yeah. We don't have to talk about that. Give me that that Nikthos art, please. Give it to me. I need it. Yeah, the promos are so fucking sick. Yeah, yeah. Right. Except for the Tefiri one, because I could kind of feel differently. Yeah. It's a no, no <laughs> alt art. <laughs> Here's like a little Vorthos thing that all of you can do who uh, don't care that much about organized play. Uh, the promo for Nykthos, Shrine to Nyx, that is being given out at some level of this pyramid. Fire. Um, this this promo is beautiful, right? But go look at the full art. The artist posted the full art. Uh, it is amazing. And there is a shrine in that art to every one of the gods of Theros. I need this. You can find them in the art. It's so good. 
Like that is a Theros love story right there. That is so good. It's so good. You should put um, a link to that with, with when this episode goes live because like it is so. I'll good. see if I remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so good though. It's amazing. Uh, I have no interest in organized play. You cannot trick me into playing competitive Magic again. You can't. I am moderately interested to see how exactly this round of Pro Tour goes because <laughs> again, like the story, it has undergone many changes and a lot of those are flipping back and forth between um what seemed to be the best approach and now they are going back to a pro tour with modified cleaner system i'm just interested if there's going to be like if there's going to be pro stories because i know that was a big part of both the mpl and the latter half of the original pro tour system was trying to emphasize like star making and getting an audience invested in the stories I don't see that happening this time around, but at the same time, like... There was no Sir Mix-a-Lot involved in this announcement. There wasn't! <laughs> um, I will say, I will say, this This reminds me of, if you think about it, the MPL is basically the organized play version of Forsaken. Shh! You, I'm, I'm not even... <laughs> I was going to say that because I was like, oh, look, they went back to the Pro Tour, but with some modified changes after Story went back to Web Fiction, but with some modified changes, and... Yeah. Next episode. Next episode, we definitely need to talk about the fact that they unloaded story before the cards again, because it's great. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Yeah, that's the cool thing is that our, our next episode, we will be able to cover the last stories and our final thoughts on the whole web fiction for the set, uh, which so far is just knocking it out of the park, just absolutely hitting all of the right buttons for like the 1920s noir mob story but also like releasing it before the cards is so good because we don't know what's gonna happen i love that i love that we don't know yeah it's great it's it's it's, it's amazing but uh that's our final thoughts uh we should probably wrap up this episode you know if you want to talk about how cool these stories have been uh today is a great day to join the vorthos cast patreon at patreon.com slash the vorthos cast uh for one dollar a month you get access to our discord server where we are going absolutely out of our minds talking about New Capenna story. Uh, people are posting walls and walls of spoiler text. Yeah. <laughs> um, every time the story mention. releases. Every every day at 11 when the stories drop, you just see these walls of spoiler text popping up where people are like very respectfully hiding all of like the important parts so that, you know, when you go read the story, you can then go back and scroll through it and be like, oh my God, oh me, I have that same thought, whatever. Uh, so we've all been doing that. Um, it's been great. Uh, so joining today would be awesome because then you'd get access before the finale, which I'm sure is going to involve something that blows our mind. Uh, and if you join at $3 a month, you get access to our live listen tier where you have a bunch of us in here right now. There's like several people who knows how many I'm not going to count. I'm in the middle of recording a podcast uh, who are all listening to us record this live and they're going to hear a lot of stuff that's going to get cut from this final episode because we've been recording for a long time so a lot of this is going to get cut and if you want to hear that every week you can become a live listener and live listeners get all of this unedited stuff they get to listen to it as we make it live they get to put funny little comments in the the chat with us and we get to uh, respond to them so it's a great great idea that's just three bucks a month at patreon.com slash the forthos cast but yeah and then uh we'll see you all next week where we'll be discussing the end of new capenna story and whatever reveal is going to blow our mind. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.